Pastor Mark, appreciate you guys. Hey, you guys are really blessed with good pastors. I said you guys are really blessed with good pastors. And then we met uh, these guys two years ago. We were actually in transition out of El Paso and uh, met them. It was just a little over two years ago. Man, we're just so blessed by their heart. And just, uh, you know, sometimes... I believe any kind of kingdom connection we have, it's eternal. You know, when we meet people in the kingdom of God, God doesn't, God doesn't do anything by accident. How many know that God is intentional about things? So when God puts people together in the kingdom, it's for eternal purposes. It's not just, you know, uh, this type of thing. You know, I heard a guy one time say that, that all relationships are seasonal. I totally, I couldn't disagree more. I believe all relationships are permanent. I believe all relationships are eternal. Now, the depth of those relationships in, the, the, in different seasons may be different, but man, God puts people in your life for eternal purposes, not just for now. But and, and let me just tell you this, that you can learn from anybody, anybody. You can learn what you want to do, what you don't want to do from anybody. Come on. Are you with me? So we can learn from anybody. But I, I, um, like I said, my, my beautiful wife, Leslie, with our third child inside of her body. It's uh, we're real excited about that. Just transitioning all kind of crazy stuff. And, and uh, I, I wanted to come this morning. We, we also have our, our children, Moriah, who's uh, six, seven. She just turned seven. Oh my gosh. You know, she's, uh, yeah. So, and then our son, uh, five, his name's Judah, and uh, they're back there with the kids hanging out. So, we're just really blessed to be here, man. It's always an honor uh, to, to come, and when you're invited to share and, and speak, man, it's, there's just no greater uh, thing that, that, uh, that I could be asked to do. So, we're just really honored to be here. But I came this morning to get your hopes up. How many of you want to get your hopes up? You know, some, that's one thing that we say in our society. You know, we're kind of we're kind of a little bit jaded and a little bit reluctant towards things. But I'm here this morning to get your hopes up because Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says this: that faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. I love his translation: that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. Hope is defined in this, in, 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 the, in the Greek, it says it's favorable and confident expectation. Favorable and confident expectation. So say this with me. Say, I am, am. going to get my hopes up. I'm going to get my hopes up. Come on, I'm going to get my hopes up. Man, you need to get your hopes up. Now listen, the world calls this thing hope, wishful thinking, right? That's kind of what the world thinks hope is. You know, well, I hope this happens, and I hope that don't happen, and I hope this does happen. And with this kind of wishful thinking. But as believers, as the body of Christ, we don't have wishful thinking. We don't have to wish people luck. Come on, are you with me? But we have an eternal hope inside of us that is absolutely secure, that is favorable and confident expectation. First Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, in His great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus from the dead, now we live with great expectation. Listen, because Jesus is alive and because Jesus is inside of you, you live with great expectation. So don't live life going, oh, I just don't want to get my hopes up. Man, you need to keep your hopes up high. We are called by God to live with great expectation. So don't just sit, sit here and have little dreams for your life and, and little ideas about your life. Man, God has created you for great things. So get your hopes up. Amen. Get your hopes up and get ready because God's going to do it in your life. You 
just have to get your hopes up. And we have, verse 4 says this, we have a priceless inheritance. Listen, good things are coming your way. Hope up. Good things are coming your way. Way up. Get your hopes way up. I love uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says this. He said, well, Josh, shouldn't we be a little balanced? No, this is the balance. This is where we're called to live. Go back to that scripture. Great expectation. Great expectation. You know, most of us, we, we just kind of hope to make it through the day. Listen, great expectation. Don't hope that you can make it through the day. Hope that you can transform the world today. Come on. Hope that you will see the promises of God today. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Today. Have great hopes today. Right now. Man, this is your time. Right now. Say, it's my time. It's my time. It, say, I want you to say it like you believe it. Say, it's my time. It's my time. It is your time. I'm telling you this morning. Good things are coming. Now listen. <laughs> are you all right? All right, Ephesians 3.20. <laughs> now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. Come on. Come on. More than you can ask or imagine. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a big imagination. Yeah. I mean, I, I just think up some crazy stuff. You know, and I get around my kids, and they've got big imaginations. But somewhere along the line, we stop imagining, don't we? Because we've been disappointed, right? Because hope deferred makes a heart sick, so we get kind of down and out. And what happens is we lose our imagination. But listen, you have the creative God inside of you. My kids asked me yesterday, or my, my daughter Mariah said, why did God make other planets? And I, I couldn't think of any good answer, so I said, because He's creative. And he just likes to create. And I don't know if that's exactly why he created them, but hey, it sounds like a pretty good answer to me. So God, listen, is a creative God who lives inside of you. So don't say things like, oh, I'm not that creative. Listen, anything that you can imagine, God can do exceedingly more, immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within you. See, it's already in you. It's not something you have to attain or go for. It's already in you. Do you have to find it? You probably do have to find it. But I'm here to tell you this morning, get your hopes up because it's already in you. Amen. It is already in you. But the problem is, is we face difficulties, right? We face difficulties. And we talked about that for a minute. We get a little jaded and we get a little hesitant. But, but let me tell you that no matter what difficulty you're going through, the battles you face or the tears that you're shedding, God has never left or forsaken you and he's never going to and his promises listen God's promises for your life are greater than your current reality when Jesus told us to pray on earth as it is in heaven he was saying get this there is a greater reality than it's on the earth you, you, know, well, you just don't know my situation. You're right. I don't know your situation. But I know on earth as it is in heaven. And heaven is the greater reality. So it's our, not even our responsibility, but it's our pleasure to receive the greater reality. So wherever you're at, no matter how difficult it is or what you're going to go through, because you're going to go through something, come on. I mean, you know, this, this too will pass, the good and the bad. You will face difficulties, but Jesus won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He'll be right there. In fact, all those, all those things that we view as obstacles are just opportunities for God to come and reveal His goodness in your life. And how many of you know that we're going through it? 
You're not staying here. You're not, you're not staying in the place that you're at. You're going through it. That's what we say, man. I'm just going through this stuff. That's a good declaration. You're going through it. You're not staying here. Come on. How many of you know the price has been paid and the battle has been won? Amen. Come on. You're not staying here. You're going through it. Everybody say this. I'm going through it. I'm going through it. I'm going through it. That's right. You're going through it. No matter what it is, a good season or a bad season, you're going through it Amen. to the next season, which is a better season. Come on. Amen. It's always going to get better. Listen, this, this walk of faith is progressive. It's always level to level, yes. glory to glory. Yes. Yes. Always, always, always unfolding. How many know that God isn't hiding things from you? He's hiding things for you. Wow. Are you with me? God's not hiding nothing. God, God has levels for you to go to a new place. Are you with me? You know, one of my favorite things, talking about hope, that I think of oftentimes is, is whenever I've been at work all day and I come home, well, right now we don't have, we're kind of homeless, but um, we're, we're finding a home. I like to tell people that. So, yeah, so that's a fun, fun little thing to tell people we're homeless because we kind of are. Um, pray for us if you think about it because we are looking for a house. But one of my favorite things is when I, when I walk in the door and I know that my kids have been waiting for me to come home. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes I come home and they haven't been waiting on me. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like you come in and they're like watching TV or whatever. But a few months ago, I was riding my bike to work. I'd ride my bike to work and, and back home. It's only about six miles, so it wasn't that big of a deal. And I was riding my bike home and I pulled around. Our, our garage was actually in the alley. We had a rear entry garage and I was riding my bike down the alley. It was a paved alley. And I pull in and my family is sitting there on the grass waiting for me to get home. And I can tell you this joy filled my heart because they were expecting me to be there. They, you know, they weren't, they weren't inside caught up in what was going on in their life or what was on TV or the, the Mariah working on her homework or Leslie baking a cake. She likes to bake cakes. They weren't caught up in those things. They were waiting for daddy to show up. And I can tell you nothing exhilarates my heart more than my kids wanting me to show up. And see, I believe nothing exhilarates our Father's hearts more than whenever we're just waiting for Him to show up, when we're expecting Him to be there. How many know there's a difference between anxious waiting and waiting and trusting and believing something's about to happen? Totally different. When I think about these things, I always think of Abraham. We, we know Abraham, man. We know the great story of Abraham. And I want to I share this and talk about this for just a few moments if you're with me. Are you with me? Yes. Genesis chapter 22, Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Now listen, when God says Abraham, when God says his name, he is speaking that he is the father of many nations. Right. Yep. Are you with me? God changed his name because of God's promise. Amen. So his, the, God's promise over his life became his identity. So the first thing that God says to him is Abraham. Father of many nations. Yes, he replied, here I am. And he said, take your only son. Now, if you know anything about this story, in Genesis chapter 1, Ishmael and Hagar were, had, been, had been sent off by Abraham because basically he was not the son of promise. That's right. And then God said, this is the son of promise. So all this backstory. So then God says this. Now take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice, sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning. Come 
whoa, I don't know about you, but if God come to me and said, Josh, take your only son, Judah, and sacrifice him on a mountain, I'm going to show you. How many of you know, for me, it wouldn't be the next morning? Right? The next morning. I'm like, hey, the next morning? I remember I read that for the, it was like I read it for the first time. I probably read it 50 times, but I looked at it and I thought, man, the next morning. Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants along with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire and a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked and saw the, pla saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there and then we will come right back. How many of you notice he didn't say, I'll come right back? Right. How many of you know that he still knew there was promise inside of his son? Amen. So Abraham placed a fire for the wood and the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. Now this tells us right here that Isaac wasn't just a little, a little boy, but he was probably a, a youth, like a teenager, young man that was carrying firewood up a mountain. Are you with me? Are you getting this picture? He's, he's strong enough to carry wood, probably strong enough for some resistance. And while he himself carried the fire and his knife, the two of them walked on together. And Isaac turned to Abraham, his father, and he said, Father, yes, my son. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? What's going on here, Dad? And this is what Abraham says again. Come on. I don't think he was just telling his son, but I think he was telling himself, God right. will provide a sheep Amen. for the burnt offering, my son. Amen. Because I'm telling you, every time Abraham looked at his son, he thought, the promise. Yep. Father of many nations, this is the one. Yep. My legacy will be lived out through this man this young man, he, th this is my destiny right here. This is my legacy. Everything that God promised is right here. My son, God will provide. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place God had told them to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied up his son Isaac. Now, I don't know how, what the struggle was here, but you and I both know that a, a young teenage boy that's, that's obviously old enough to reason, uh, old enough to carry some wood, there probably was a little bit of resistance here. I'm sure that made it a little bit more difficult on Abraham. So he's tying up his son. His son's like, wait, well, what's going on? You said sheep. You said, we're coming back. What's going on here? And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. What was he saying? Father of many nations. Father of many nations. He was reminding him by calling it his name, his, his promise concerning him. Father of many nations, yes, here I am. Do not lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God, and you have not withheld from me even your son, your only son, the only one you have left. Amen. Your only source of promise. I've seen that you weren't even, you, you weren't even willing to hold on to him, to, to obey. 
Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught with his, thorns in a thi with his horns in a thicket. And he, he took the ram and he sacrificed a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place Yahweh Yireh or Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. How I many you know that this is something that Abraham was saying the whole time? That, they, that he knew that he had hope, that there was hope beyond what he was going through, that there was hope beyond even what God was calling him to do. He knew what God had told him previously. How did Abraham live? Man, I don't know about you, but when I see Abraham, he, he didn't even have the cross. You know what I'm saying? He didn't even have the blood of Jesus over his life. How did he live with such great expectation? How did he have such hope in God's promise? How did he grasp this reality? How did he live there? Are you with me? Because I'm like that, man. I, God tells me to do something. I'm like, oh, man, I just don't know. It's not like the next day I'm being obedient. And here's Abraham who wasn't even filled with the Spirit of God. I'm like, what did he do? <laughs> so I want to share with you what he did. First of all, he was trusting in what God had promised. Trusting. Everybody say trusting. trusting. We, we throw the word faith around, you know, kind of faith, faith, faith. And I, I think we've kind of lost what faith means. See, see, faith is basically what you're placing in the chair that you're sitting in right now. You're trusting in it. It's not something you really thought about, but you're doing it. Yeah. Trust is what you did whenever you walked out and you got in your car this morning and turned the key to the ignition. You trusted that that vehicle would start. This is faith. You're placing faith in these things. And you're, you're, you're demonstrating that faith by sitting down. You're trusting. Abraham was trusting in what God had promised. You know, trusting is more like resting than anxious waiting. Sometimes when we say that, we say, oh, I'm just trusting in the Lord. Sometimes we're, 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 we're kind of like, I'm trusting God. Right? I'm waiting on God. We're kind of, we, we, we think that this thing of trust is when we say that or when we're waiting on the Lord, we, we, we think it's anxious waiting or holding out. Let me tell you that trust is not anxious waiting. There may be a time frame. There may be a time frame, but I'm not talking about time frame when I'm talking about trust. We're talking about waiting. We're speaking of posture. Amen. We rest in God's promise. With great expectation. Listen, when God tells you something, you rest in that. You go, okay. Cool. I get it, God, because you said it. Yeah. Right. Not because I'm so righteous. Not because I read my Bible and pray every day. Not because I've got it all figured out. Not because I have this, that, and the other. But just because you said it, God, and that's really all I have. And that's all I need. So I guess I'll just rest here. I'm good. Amen. All good. good all good in the hood. It's all good, right? <laughs> it's good. I, I, I preached that one time. I, I said, you know, it's all good. And then someone come up to me and they're like, it's not all good. I'm like, it might not be all good right now in your current situation. The situation might not be all good, but it's all good because you belong to Jesus. It is all good. I'm telling you, it's all good. No matter how hard it is or how difficult it is, it's all good because you belong to God. Amen. Doesn't mean you're, you know, eating cake and, you know, ah, party, party, but it's, it's good. That is. God's good. Amen. And He ain't going to let you down. Always. Come on. So, anxious waiting is, is kind of, that's what we do in doctor's offices, right? We're like, oh God. Right? You guys know what anxious waiting is. But trust is what we do when we're at the mountains or at the lake. Come on. We're on beaches. 
Or what we're doing whenever we've put the check in that little tube and we're sending it through the other tube to get our money back. That's resting, right? Okay, here it comes. We're not like, hope, hope the check clears, right? I guess depending on the source of where you got that check from. How <laughs> I mean, you know when, you, when someone wrote you that check, they were writing a promise that there was going to be money attached to that check, so whenever you cash that check, there would be something from it. I mean, oh, God don't write hot checks. When He makes a promise, it's the money's going to be there. You know what I'm saying? So you don't have to be like, oh, I just don't know. You know, I know God promises, but you don't have to do all that. You don't have to. You don't have to live there. It's coming. I mean, it might not be here by the end of the day. You're you're good. It's all good, but listen, it might not be there by the end of the day. Payday don't always come on Friday. But listen, I'm telling you, it's coming. Amen. It is coming. So just chill. I mean, you, you, have, you have two options. You can worry about it and freak out, and it's still going to come whenever it comes. Or you can just do what you're doing right now. You can wait patiently. Yep. Trust. Yes. That's right. Trust. Now, if you didn't trust that chair, you'd be freaking out going, I hope it's don't collapse. It's getting kind of long today. He's been talking a little while. I don't know. Right? <laughs> it's kind of like driving a beat-up vehicle down the highway, right? Yeah. Hope the seat don't break down. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> Listen, obedience comes so easy when trust has been established. Amen. That's why Abraham was able to get up the next morning. Because obedience really for the believer is more like a response than a work. Amen. It's just like, okay. Uh, several months ago in, in January, God called us to move out to Dallas. And we're like, what is going on, man? We had just built a house like months before that, like four months before that or something. We had moved into our house five months. And we're like, oh my gosh, what are we... Yeah, we really feel like this is what God's put in our heart. You know, oh God. So months and months of just praying and, and seeking it out and waiting and trusting in the Lord, God eventually worked everything out and gave us the confidence we needed to handle it. Amen. Obedience is just a response. What did God put in your heart? Just respond to it. Amen. The problem is this. When we're careful about what's been promised. Because we do allow disappointments and pain to, to, to kind of jade us. Are you with me? And we live guarded. So we're like, I just, just don't know. Did you know you have to learn that? You have to learn that. My kids, they don't deal with that. They're not, they don't wake up. Dad, what's going to happen? Are we going to be able to eat today? They don't freak, they don't freak out like that. We learn that, don't we? We learn to fear. Proverbs 13, 12 says this, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. So we don't, listen, the, the, the whole key to getting this hope thing right, this whole trust thing right, the whole key is making sure your hope is well placed. Amen. We love people, but we don't put hope in people. Because people let us down, right? And... When you get let down, it makes your heart sick. So we place hope in God. 
And it's impossible for him to let us down. Amen. Impossible. Come on. So place your hope well. Amen. You know, when, when we ask people, when we go to people and, and we make an agreement between people and we hope that they're going to fulfill their end of the bargain, what do we do? We ask for a contract, right? We want to shake on it. Right? We want to make sure it's all good. We, well, if it's a lot of money, then we go through all these legalities to make sure that, hey, they're going to be good on this end. So we ask for confirmation through promise or agreements or contracts because it makes us hopeful that they will do what they say. Right? But listen, we are in covenant with the everlasting God. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. For example, there was God's promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath by in His own name saying, I will certainly bless you. I will multiply the, your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and received what God had promised. Amen. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. God also bound Himself with an oath. So that those who are receiving His promise could be perfectly sure that He would never change His mind. Amen. So God has given us both His promise and His oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Amen. It is impossible for God to let you down. Right. That's right. It is impossible for God to let you down. Impossible. Therefore, we who have fled to Him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. So Abraham trusted in what God promised. Number two, Abraham had a history of hope. Now Abraham had established, this was the first time that, that God told him to do something. Yeah. Come on. Right. I mean, he had some history. Sometimes we kind of act like, you know, that, that, it, that it's wrong for us to ask God for something to confirm His promise, don't we? I mean, we talk about like the fleece that Gideon laid out, like it was a bad thing. But let me remind you that God honored the fleece. Yes, he did. See, God sees your faith right where it is. He sees your ability, your capacity, your, your ability to hope right where it is. And He's not looking at you and being mad because you're like, man, I just don't have faith for this. What he wants is he wants your honesty. Because in your honesty, you're really showing a lot of faith in him, not a faith in yourself. So I believe the reason why God did that to Gideon is because Gideon was like, God, I want to trust you. I want to trust you, God, but I just, I'm just not really sure. So can you do this? That's right. That's right. That's good. Kind of got ahead of myself, but listen. Through the life of Abraham, man, God continually done little thing, did little things, spoke to him, revealed to him, reminded him about these promises. I encourage you to every time God does something that you would consider little in your life, celebrate. Celebrate every little victory. Oh man, I was praying for my, my, my toenail. I had an ingrown toenail and it went away. <laughs> Celebrate the victory. I was praying for a headache and they got healed of their headache. Celebrate because you get enough headaches, then you'll start seeing some cancers. Come on. Are you with me? So what we've got to do is we've got to start celebrating victory where it's at. And this is where Abraham was, man. He, God didn't ask him. This was the first thing that God asked him to do that was going to stretch him. Are you with me? I mean, it kind of builds up to this. Yep, right. That's right. 
So you, you've got to develop a history of hope. Celebrate the little victories. You know, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You notice the word is rejoice. It's not just joyce, right? It's not like rejoice. It's over. No, it's rejoice. Always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice. In other words, do it again. Celebrate every victory. And celebrate that victory again. And share that story with others. Man, when God does something in your life, go tell somebody. Rejoice in it and say, man, you would not believe. Brag on God. Amen. It will, it will develop that history of hope in your life. When we taste promise, it gives us confidence for more promise. It just tells me like, well, God, you did it then. So I know you're going to do it here. Right. We, we were dealing with the, kind of the same thing that we're kind of going through right now about two years ago. Uh, Pastor Martin knows about this. Man, we were, we were like, we didn't know what God was going to do. But guess what? Never went hungry. Come on, all our bills were paid. We weren't stressing out. Yep. She's like, God, what do you what do you want us to do? Okay. <laughs> God showed up. So what happens is whenever those things start happening in our life, then we, we have a kind of a track record of hope. Amen. And then so when it gets a little bit more difficult or the next step is a little bit more steep, we're able to go, well, God showed up there. So he'll show up here. Amen. And then you'll look back and go, man, it wasn't that hard at all. Right? <laughs> You'll be saying the same thing on the next one when you're like, oh, God, I don't know. Right? Number three is this. He had grace for faith. Amen. Did you know that every bit of faith that you have in your life right now is just by the grace of God? Amen. Now, Scripture tells us to build our faith, encourage one another's faith, all this kind of stuff. We know all that. But did you know that faith actually is a gift from God? You know what? It takes God to have faith. Right. It just does. And so, sometimes, again, I want to get back on this fleece, fleece thing, because sometimes we act like it's wrong for us to say, God, I, I need a little help here. Listen, God wants to help your faith. Yes, he does. He's not mad at your unbelief. That's right. That's right. You know, we, we act like the biggest sin in the world is doubt, fear, and unbelief. Well, it's it's not a good thing to have doubt, fear, and unbelief. But listen, God understands. Come on. What your intention is. That's right. That's right. Are you with me? God's not like, well, stupid, if you would just believe. Come on. You think God's upset at you because you're hesitant? He's not. God gave you for the grace, God gave you grace for the faith that you have, and he will continue to give you grace for the faith that you need. Study the life of Abraham. Promise after promise. God continually gave him grace through visitations, through words, through confirming words. All these things. God continually did that again and again and again. I'm going to close with this story. Mark chapter 9. And there's a man who has a son that's either possessed by demons or... He's got some like mental issues, all right? So his son is freaking out. He goes into these seizures and he's like throws himself into fires. He's freaking out. And so this guy hears that Jesus is in town. He's heard about all these crazy miracles. And he, he goes up to Jesus and he's like, he's like, Lord, he's like, can you help my son? He's like, he freaks out. Sometimes he's been throwing himself in fire. He's been hurting people. Oh, he's just, it's just crazy, right? And he's going to Jesus. He's like, if you can... Jesus, would you, would you touch my son? And Jesus looks at him and he's like, what do you mean if I can? Don't you know that anything is possible to him that believes? 
What was Jesus doing? He was getting his hopes up. And the man says this. He says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. But help my unbelief. This shows us that, man, we can have belief and unbelief in the same heart. That you can have right now, you can believe, man, I believe your promise, God, but help the parts of my heart that don't believe. How many know that Jesus didn't look at that man and rebuke him? But Jesus said, okay, I'll help your unbelief. And he heals his son. It's called grace. (laughs) It's called grace. And really, what the man did, he put a lot of confidence in Jesus. Are you with me? He wasn't placing confidence in himself. How many know that Abraham wasn't trusting in all of his efforts as he took his son? He was trusting in what God said. He wouldn't trust in his obedience. Because if he was trusting in his obedience, his son would have been dead. But he was trusting in God who promised. Amen. Several months ago, um, we were, again, I was sharing you, we've been in this transition. And I was like, this was like March, and I was like, God, I believe, I believe what you've called us to do, and, but Father, I just, I need some help. Like, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I could tell you, within the next two months, moment after moment, we started hearing the confirming word from heaven. Yep. Our house sold in less than 24 hours. We didn't lose money on the house. We've been in the house in less than a year. I mean, it's just crazy. Moment after moment after moment. We, we came to Dallas to, to look for houses just a few weeks ago. And uh, just the ministry that God had put, put in our heart to establish here. And all this kind of stuff. And we, we met with three different, we met with two different people over in, in a 48-hour period, two days, back to back. And they both reaffirmed the things that God had put in our heart. We're like, this is what we want to do. And then they started saying exactly what we wanted to do. We're sitting across from the dinner table going, what? Grace for faith. Grace for faith. We're like, thank you, God. We're, we're driving home back to Amarillo to pack up our house and move out. Our house is already sold, all that kind of stuff. And we're driving back, and a lady sends us an email. One of the ladies that was on staff at the church we were working at, she sent an email. She said, hey, I, I dreamed that you were doing this, this, and this. We hadn't told her anything, and the dream was exactly what God had put in her heart. We're just responding. And so I was mowing the yard. I was mowing our yard for the last time of the house that we sold. And I was like, I don't want to sell it with the yard looking like this. So I'm mowing the yard and I'm thinking about this prayer that I prayed back in March. And I said, God, I'm still kind of there, Lord. And I said, what's up with that? Because like, I've always been kind of taught that, you know, it's not okay to have any kind of unbelief. You know, I just had to trust God, you know, and even be mad about it when I trust him and I felt like the Lord spoke to me and he said this Josh you were trusting me because you weren't placing confidence in your own ability you weren't placing confidence in your own ability to believe you were coming to me and saying God I need you listen Jesus sees your vulnerability and all he's asking for is for you to say okay Lord I'll trust you Help me where I don't believe. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, Lord, for your hand, for your reality in our life. Could you come up and just kind of play behind me?
to come play behind, somebody come play behind me. That'd be awesome. If you're here this morning, I, I just want to pray real quick. I'm not going to do real intense ministry, but you say, man, I, I'm going through it. I know I'm going through it. It's difficult. But, but man, I, I find myself in that same predicament. Lord, help my unbelief. I believe, but help my unbelief. You just lift your hand. I want to, I want to pray real quick for you. All right. I believe, but help my unbelief. Yes, yes. Jesus, you see the vulnerable prayers, God. Lord, you love the prayer of faith when we come to you and we're declaring and all that, but Lord, you also love when we come to you and we're just honest. So Father, I just pray right now grace for faith. Lord, would you come? Would you help that unbelief? By your grace, by your hand. We consider you faithful who have made the promise. We consider you, Jesus, and we trust you. You see every heart, God. Confirm your word. Lord, I ask for the miraculous. God, I ask for signs, miracles, wonders, confirming words, comfort, peace, healing. God, would you come? Reveal yourself. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen.